Welcome to the 12th story. A sorry. <laughs> 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 no, man, I'm sorry. That was <laughs> you should just start with a laugh. Welcome to the 12th story, a book discussion podcast produced by Cincinnati's Mercantile Library, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss. The Mercantile Library is 180 years old and is a literary center of Cincinnati. Throughout the year, the Mercantile hosts authors and speakers, book discussion groups, and other civic events. We're a working library with more than 75,000 books available to members. We're located at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and online at mercantilelibrary.com. And we always welcome new members and guests. Joining us today in the reading room on the 12th story of the Mercantile Building are Brendan Cull. Hello. Hello. Uh, Mercantile Director, our trustee. Whatever. Whatever you like, yeah. Another uh, board member here, uh, Gabrielle Blocher is here. Hello. Hi. Uh, Cedric Rose, the library's collector. Good afternoon, Chris. And me, I'm Chris Messick. I also work at the Mercantile. Uh, today, uh, we'll be talking about... Uh, can, I, can, I, but can I interrupt and yes. just point out that this is the reunion of the four original podcasters. That's and right. It's great to be back here with this foursome. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's been too long. Amen. Too long. And can I? I mean, we were the one who we launched a thousand or nineteen other podcasts. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we we <laughs> actually have about 80,000 80, books. We have eighty thousand oh, books oh. at least. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Update every sorry. podcast from now on. Yeah. So from so from now on, eighty thousand books. <laughs> okay. So uh, what we're doing today is, um, and we've done this before. I'm a father of two small children. I'm going to grad school. I work at the library full time. So I don't have a lot of free time. But, you know, when I do have that free time, I like to fill it with something top notch, good quality entertainment of the pop culture variety. Um, so I've assembled here this dream team that's <laughs> going to help guide my, my idle time over the next few months, if I have any, to recommend books, podcasts, movies, uh, that sort of thing um, that I should be digging into. So thank you. I'm looking forward to We're hearing here what for you. has <laughs> to say. Thanks. You guys, I know <laughs> yeah, I know you've been there. Um, so uh, one thing that we were kind of talking about before and people have been talking about everywhere is the Netflix, uh, for Gabrielle, I'm going to put air quotes on this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Is it making a murderer or yeah, the making murderer? A murderer? Making a murderer. The murderer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, has everyone seen I call seen it something that? different every time. Okay. How, to make, how to make a murderer, how to murder a maker. I mean, we watched it over, it was, it's a, a 10 episodes and they're yeah. an hour each. And yeah. I think binge. we've totally binged binge. it. 12 hours, all 10 episodes yeah. or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, I think you should start, Brendan. Oh, me? Yeah. So yeah. the documentary yeah. is, you know, it's for those of you who like Serial, you know, the first season of Serial, and we might even talk about the second season of Serial here in a little bit, but the first season of Serial where it's uh, the accused, Adnan, uh, you know, yeah. it kind of captivated the country. Mm -hmm. This is about a guy <coughs> who was accused of a, a crime back in the 90s, I guess, went to jail for 18 years and then was released from prison only to be rearrested two years later, or not even two years yeah. later, for the murder of someone in his town. 
And he was exonerated for that first crime. The first crime, he was completely, totally and he exonerated. Was based innocent. on DNA. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Definitely innocent. Right. So, yeah. like, the first part of the documentary, you're like, oh, my gosh, the Innocence Project got this guy out. And then, not too soon later, he gets ar arrested for murdering uh, a woman who is a photojournalist in the town. And this is, like, uh, north Wisconsin, so I think north of uh, Milwaukee, Manitowoc, Manitowoc. I think is, the, is the county. Yeah. And so the story then basically follows the trial of this guy who's up for his second trial, and they cast what I would say is significant doubt on whether or not, um, I, I, I might want to say it like this, maybe they don't cast significant doubt on whether he actually committed the crime, they definitely cast significant doubt on whether or not he should have been convicted of the crime. Um, but there is definitely a conversation going on right now amongst people who've watched it as to whether or not he um, he actually did it. Mm -hmm. And and, f and before we like launch off, if you're listening at this point, you're intending to binge watch it or you're you know spoiler averse. Yeah. Push pause. I mean, yeah. there are going to be a lot of spoilers. Yeah. yeah for spoiler. All everything yeah. we yeah. Yeah. And this this is great because Chris. Being ten hours long, there's mm -hmm. there's just no way you're going to have time to watch this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's I dodged for, a bullet. It fits that's right, right into well, I mean, that's a matter of opinion, but right. it fits right into the your yeah, your like question. Um do you said said before so before we started the podcast we were talking about this and you said you said the word so I have a very strong opinion about this, but said you said after you watched the documentary you felt and you used the word icky and I'd love to just know why. I felt icky, um, I think, because of one of the one of the more valuable pieces of the show is the way that it it demonstrates this intense hatred within the community for the family of which for Stephen's family. Mm -hmm. um, and Stephen is the Stephen is the um, the man who ultimately uh, am I allowed to say what happens? To we yeah. 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 yeah, who ultimately um, is convicted for this second mur murder and is in jail for it right at the time of this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but the documentary, despite its faults, which Gabrielle will get into <laughs> shortly, <laughs> definitely shows, um, it, it's almost, th and this came up actually went back when we discussed, um, so you've been publicly shamed, oh, this yeah. um, scarlet letter process of judgment that happens in communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you did you pick up on that despite possibly not enjoying the show? And actually, just I, I enjoyed it. Okay, I enjoyed it. Huge qualifier. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I feel I feel that's part of the reason I'm so angry about it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I was very engaged. I binged the heck out of it. Yeah. yeah. So the ickiness comes um, first from seeing people behaving very very poorly. I think on both sides. Mm -hmm. um, and especially, I mean, it's it's a disturbing ickiness when you see law enforcement clearly behaving in an unprofessional fashion. Mm -hmm. At a couple of points, um, he Stephen Avery's former conviction, uh, which was completely overturned, yep. people refer to it as if he was guilty of that yep. first crime. He didn't do the first crime. <coughs> he, didn't. he did not yeah, do yeah, the absolutely. first yeah. crime. Um, but then, as we discussed right before the po podcast, this is the story of a young woman killed in the prime of her life for apparently no reason whatsoever. Being a woman. Whether, whether you believe the defense or not, if you believe the defense, that means that her killer is still out there. If you don't, I mean, it's st the documentary is still, the quote documentary, un unquote, is still mm -hmm. very exploitative of that. Mm -hmm. Hence the ickiness. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's like even if you like the like the documentary and totally bought into what the filmmakers were presenting, it's like it's icky. It's a horrible story. So yeah, I mean, I, I my strong opinion about it is I, I don't I I'm very anti it as a as a documentary. Um, so and I was mentioning before when we were talking prior to the podcast that uh, I feel I, I know for a fact that. Um, about 50% of the evidence that was included in the trial um, was just not mentioned by the filmmakers. Um, so he was convicted, but more than once, like he appealed, he's appealed, the in, he's appealed and um, not, you know, no one's taken the case. The Innocence Project won't take this case. They right. got him off the first right. time and they mm. won't take this case. That's damning. That's suspicious to me. Like they're all about not getting people falsely accused and these filmmakers, I think very strongly, again, in a filmmaker, as, a, as like a movie, TV fan, and a consumer of much, much, much of these things over my life, um, I can tell, I notice when like the twinkly, sympathetic, nice, these are the good guys music is played mm -hmm. for me, and then the reverse is, is done when the bad guys are being shown. That was absolutely the case for this. The, his family and him, it was like good guy music. Uh, and then the prosecutors were the bad guys. I feel I feel that like there was a lot of sort of um, depressing alt country played behind his family. <laughs> yeah. Every time I saw the sh shots of his mom sitting in that kitchen, yeah, I was so like sad. existentially depressed. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. They live in a junkyard. I mean, they live basically on a trash heap. There's yeah. no other way to describe it. Yeah. That's a key part of the documentary. I think is the the class that uh, of these of this family of the Avery family. Yeah. I mean, you can. You can tell that they are kind of looked upon as the the outsiders in the mm -hmm. in this community, but the visual shots of it are very much in line with what mm -hmm. you're saying about this. You know, it's it is you do feel sad watching it because mm -hmm. there are long shots and crane shots mm -hmm. over the junkyard and beat up cars. It's it's a sad documentary. It it's is. beautifully shot. The filmmakers deserve huge credit credit for for filming a. Uh, visually arresting and engaging, quote unquote, documentary. <laughs> what they don't deserve credit for, I agree with you. After mm. you pointed out to me all mm. of these problems, is I I do think you know Sarah Koenig from Serial would never have done it this no, way. No, she wouldn't have. Do God bless her. Did anybody feel icky after? I did because we sat there for ten one? hours and watched the show, but yeah. I was icky. After cereal? After cereal. Oh, after cereal. Yeah. Sorry. Kind of <laughs> one, I'm I didn't feel icky. I didn't feel icky. Either. I didn't feel. That no, was, I, I felt like we we really got into it. Yeah, I felt confused. She talked to everybody. And worried and concerned, but not icky. Yeah. It's so, is, if I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like you're saying, as a piece of entertainment, it's fascinating, but as a as a true like a telling of the truth it's lacking yeah as like an it's an insertion of mm -hmm. like normal joe i don't know i'm not a lawyer or a police officer or an investigator or like but my i'm all over this and like people just like me are tweeting the heck out of their opinions about this and there's a petition to obama who, about I don't know like making making him thing. you know getting this guy exonerated right, and yeah. I, he probably killed a woman. There's this more, in my strong opinion, there's a more subtle, and raped her, there's a more subtle, too, the, another thing that makes me really angry about it as a piece of um, entertainment is if we think about the title, I remember when I watched it, Making a Murderer, um, I think it is true that our system, our flawed system, made him into a murderer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he so was, like, yeah, let's, let's definitely critique the system. Let's point out all the flaws in the system. But, but the they flaws didn't do that. 
They didn't. They, they focused went, all about like he's innocent of the second crime that right. he's not innocent of. He was absolutely innocent of the first crime. Spent 18 long years turning into a monster by being in jail. That's the, that's some of the evidence that you'll read about that was excluded from this documentary. Right is that he, he talked to his cellmate about killing a woman when he gets out, and when he does so, he shall burn her body, and he wants to rape somebody, and he talked to his, like, his nephew about going back to jail, and he wants to get back at all the women in his life because, he, because of going to jail. And that's a su much subtler, much more difficult to tell mm -hmm. story that right. these filmmakers d neglected. Right, and it bothers me that we, so, I think it's interesting. I think if you take it from uh, the perspective that Gabby was, was just saying about it being a, um, a look at the criminal justice system yeah. and the right. flaws of the criminal justice system, it's worth watching for that. Yeah. I hesitate to I call it entertainment because it is a human being. Mm -hmm. um, it, is, it is entertaining right. um, in that it's filmed in such a way that like they have a hook at the end of every episode that yes. makes you want to go right to the next yeah. episode. Right. Um, dun, dun, dun. I just I, I I once I read afterwards what Gabrielle pointed out, uh -huh. I was really disappointed in what I had read because I was like, ah, now I feel like I only got about sixty percent of this story. Whereas after Serial, I know that there was a yeah. website that went and interviewed um, the guy who uh, a lot of people suspected after listening to Serial committed Jay. the crime. Jay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I didn't feel badly or icky after Serial, even after I read those articles, because I felt like she had tried really hard to interview yeah. that yes. guy. Yeah. And sh I felt like that whole thing of Serial was, was based on her journalistic chops. Yes. Like, I'm going to try and get to the bottom of the story, and if I can't, I'm going to tell you. Right. Yes. That's not what you get in Making a Murder. Mm -hmm. so it sounds or like How to Make a Murder, or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like the ickiness maybe comes from a feeling of being manipulated. That was my ickiness. I think our ickiness is a little bit different. I, I had the same ickiness uh, that you had too, but my, yeah, and the, uh, t 48 hours after completing the um, viewing of the, the series, I felt very manipulated because I read all about yeah. the stuff that was... Right. And they're totally defensive in their interviews, yes. by the way. I, it, it, I don't they're like, like those ladies. Exclusive interviews with the producers and they defend their story and I read it and I'm like, they defend it in a very defensive way. Yeah. Like they're not um, certain that they are standing on solid ground. Yeah, he, anyway. he had his chance. We had our, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I mean, yeah. the prosecutor it's not enough to does say not impress me yeah. as a person. But yeah, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I, it was, it was, uh, they were trying to tell a story. So, segue. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to try and segue because yeah. we could probably talk about making a murder. Before you segue, okay, I want to yes. just mention something which is in cold blood. Like that is yes. some freaking good yeah. true crime. Or if you're uh, gonna step thin blue line, thin perhaps I've never read, thin read thin it. Blue line. It, well, basically, it's thin blue line is that Errol Morris, Errol Morris it's documentary. It's a movie, right? It, it's a movie, yeah. Okay. Uh, and but it sounds like if this guy in making the murderer had actually been innocent and it had been clear, that's what thin blue line is. Okay. Where the guy totally uh, didn't do it. Interesting. It's yeah. obvious he didn't do it. And so Errol Morris just kind of and that like started the genre of like movies, right? Like documentary type stuff. Yeah, this this kind of like a uh, documentary's not, yeah, like found footage and then an interview mm -hmm. and yeah. then a clip. It's like because Errol Morris, uh, he the way he makes movies is highly stylized, mm -hmm. and he, he even invented this box 
this box to go on his camera. Where so it looks so when the person is talking to the box, I, 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 I'm kind of like Just roughing this thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. It could be a little, but the point is when the guy's talking to the camera, it looks like he's talking to you, mm -hmm. yeah. not like he's talking to a camera. Mm -hmm. and it it's very, like it's very effective. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. very effective. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. agree. I agree. I have. I will check that out. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you on In Cold Blood. I mean, it's an yeah. incredible book. I read it yeah. last year for yeah. the first time. So, but oh, In Cold so Blood, good. you know, Truman Capote is notorious for taking great liberties with sure. the facts. I mean, yeah. it's it's essentially creative nonfiction. So, I'm interested in. I think how we are taking real events, turning them into entertainment, and in a very powerful sense, creating entertainment that is heightens engagement by creating this subjective territory. Mm -hmm. It makes us <laughs> almost active participants in it the way you know a really good murder mystery or something it's like that. It's true, it's true. Yeah. But, so it's interesting but to me that then. But Capote was, it, what, like that book was, there wasn't really any question about the fact. That right. wasn't the question. That's the ultimate, yeah, I see, like, he, he punched it up, right? Yeah. Or he invented some dialogue. And he inserted maybe. himself completely. He, he was part of the story. He was like, it was like vanity, a vanity right. piece. But, but this was what happened, and then they kind of like bent the truth or bent reality mm -hmm. towards the perspective that they were trying to go. Yes. Uh, this tension maybe between feeling line. manipulated, but feeling really drawn in by something that creates a space where you feel like such an active participant. You feel like a member of yeah. the jury. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that seems to me an interesting but questionable I think these line to walk. I agree. I, I think these filmmakers are like hopping on a bandwagon that yeah. exists right now. I mean, they knew that people would take to Reddit and like try and solve yeah. this crime on their own. Yes. And Anonymous is trying to figure it out. At some point, it does make me roll my eyes a little bit that they, um, you know, is it coincidence that this comes out right on the heels of cereal when they knew people right. were going right. binge at it? Is it, you know, anyway. Segway. Segway. Speaking right. of what I'm going to binge next, and speaking of a quote-unquote unsolved murder, far, uh, FX is doing the OJ story <laughs> yeah. next this in yeah. six weeks with an incredible s slate of actors mm -hmm. in it. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in it. Um, John Travolta's in it, mm. um, and it l the previews for it dropped during um, Fargo this year, yeah. which was another TV show that's, by the way, worth your binge watching. It's the okay. best, best um, show. But they dropped the previews for OJ, and uh, again, al along the lines of a, uh, the most fascinating trial of the century, um, it looks like it's going to be most excellent. Mm -hmm. So add that to your list. I will. I'm excited will. about that. Is it, the yeah. Amer is it American Crime Story or is it Ameri what, what's American True Crime? There's I like a know. couple stories yeah, like yeah, that on yeah. TV shows. Yeah. I forget the name of them. But yeah. I mean, that case made it tricky just to walk through a grocery line. If it came up in conversation, mm -hmm. it was so, I, I still feel that Do it's such a device. Do you remember where you were when the device came out? I do. I do. It's one of my, I remember watching things, the, yeah. uh, what was it, a, uh, the white, the white laser. Bronco, the, the Bronco. Bronco. No, I remember Bronco. both. Yeah, I, I remember the movie. verdict. I went and saw the, movie. Movie. I the verdict. I'm not sure where I was. I remember where I exactly watching the Bronco mm. thing on the freeway. Crazy. I, I was at a movie that night with a Bronco, and it made me <laughs> the kind of personality, the kind of personality I am. I was came home from the movie, which is a perfectly good movie. It was like Wolf or something like that with Anthony Hopkins. Mm. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I was even on a date, and I came <laughs> home, which was rare those days, 
And I came home and was so irritated that I had like missed the news. <laughs> and like I missed the whole chase. <laughs> and that, you know, like fundamentally drives my behavior and decision making still to these days. <laughs> so I think it's gonna be a very good series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that so that that um I recently had the experience yeah, I had recently had the experience with uh, our one of our um, very trusted, wonderful, lovely babysitters who is um and she used to be our full-time nanny. She's she's in her, you know, early twenties, and I had the experience of explaining to her the significance of this trial. It was one of those like moments in life that she didn't know anything about. And the big thing too is like she didn't know who O.J. Simpson was yeah, or why was he significant. Who cares? Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. And I was, I was, I was uh, a senior in high school, getting ready. I remember where I was when the Bronco chase because I was actually in California at the time that it happened and. I was in San Francisco, and like I was 18, and I was getting ready to go to college, and uh, <coughs> the city like came to a standstill while everybody was staring at, because um, close to Chase. Oakland, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah everybody yeah. was staring at the at TV screens and bars, watching yeah. it happen. And uh, yeah, he was like one of those people. He's I'm 18. He's one of those people who had I had grown up with as a very prominent like member of my cultural like US experiences I like football fan watcher of the naked gun series right <laughs> right right yeah. watcher of hertz memories and hertz commercials yes i do he was yeah. like a michael jordan yeah. level yeah. which people other people still might not he was lebron james level <laughs> yeah he was well, funny in the in see the lebron the james put in a performance like oj did a naked gun <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll talk. Uh, yeah. I did last year. Isn't he the one who goes down the stairs out of the... Anyway, I thought it was great. Yeah. The, bo the, the show is based on Jeffrey Tubin's book, um, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, mm. which is, if you're looking for true crime, it is a uh, absolutely spectacular mm. book about the legal Interesting. case. Well, I mean, O.J. did it, right? Yeah. I <laughs> think so. Right? I think he's guilty. <laughs> next, next season on series. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Isn't it like an? Uh, isn't it an, a like? Isn't it sort of understood? I was about to say something about. I mean, football. What's up with that? giving all these criminals millions of dollars. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys can talk amongst yourselves, and I'm going to... I don't know if I want to do football on this podcast. Yeah. I feel no, like no. Trust me, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, so I guess where I'm coming from is uh, I think most people think he did do it. Yeah. But so here you are. Your profession is to circumvent the very circuitry that keeps us all civilized and learn to like focus your hatred at people and hit them as hard as you can. And then, I mean, it, I don't think it's a coincidence that there are a number of professional athletes who are uh, getting, uh, getting, sorry, you were about to say. Yeah, I mean, I understand that perspective and I would, I would people? like to answer violent, it yeah. as a former Marine officer who's fired like M16s and uh, at like the images of humans, not humans. I was never in combat. Um, and a former rugby player, on a more innocent note. But uh, You and Chris. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Chris yeah, and I yeah. <laughs> played against each other oh, in yeah. Maryland, <laughs> <laughs> on the shores of Maryland. Um, so I, um, I don't think, I don't like buy that whole thing. I don't buy that whole like logic that it turns one into a violent person because a tackle is not, a tackle is not a, um, 
it's not a murder. It's not a knife attack. It's like super different things, and it's yeah. a it's a like physical act to engage it. And Luke, I'm sure my husband Luke. I'm, I hope when he hears me saying these words will agree with me 100%. But because he's a former actual football player, but a tackle is a is just a thing to do, and it's not a smash kill. Da da da. It's like take the person down. The ball is the goal. The ball is the goal. I really do believe that. Um, I'm not. A, I didn't play in the NFL, so. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> I can't recall the title right now, but a book that's just come out or coming out by, it's written by anonymously by an NFL player, basically yeah. an expose, and that's one of his theses yeah. is that, that and you can't go into a game that violent and not take painkillers and all this stuff. But see, I, we didn't want to talk about football. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk about Burke. I mean, and I'm here, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I'm not mad January. about him. I'm actually, I was, you know. Don't I don't want, want to talk we about do not want, We as Cincinnatians do not want to talk about football. This is not right the now. week to brutal. talk about football. Let's like, talk about something else. Yeah. yeah, fine. Movies. I, is everyone here who's going to see Star Wars seen Star Wars? Yeah. No. Said has not You're seen Star see, Wars. You're going, going to see it? Are you going to see it? I will see it eventually. Ed, did you see, I will have probably, you seen all the Star Wars so far? You know, I don't think I watched oh. The Phantom Menace. Have you watched the other two? The original, the original three. Yeah, well, that's those are the most important. Yeah, definitely to the canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just say I liked it. I mean, I I will say if we're not going to do it because you because you haven't participated, I have no uh, no problems with spoilers. The force is not with you. Uh, Said was just talking about football, so (laughs) he can be. And I hate football. I thought it was fantastic. I felt like I was grinning ear. I was grinning hard, as they say. when that music came up and. When Han Solo came out for the uh-huh. first time, and a couple of moments at the end, which I will consider spoilers, and we won't do here yeah, since yeah. since said is not yet um, among, just for among the, the initiated. Of anyone who has it, right, them, yeah. it was fantastic. I thought it was great. It was super yeah. fun. It's yeah. you pay to be entertained, and I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah, there's I, a go ahead. No, you go ahead. There's a um, yeah, jumping to another of our topics, the um, a podcast that I would highly recommend that Brendan you listened to and recommended to um, me and my husband, which is the Channel Thirty Three podcast, yes. um, where Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald process um, process the movie, uh, like talk through talk through the movie, and I loved everything that they had to say because they talk. There are some there are some parts that I, I didn't. I can't say all the words that you just said about it, Brendan. I can't say that I felt that it was fantastic, but I can say I was grinning ear to ear for many portions of it. Yeah. I can't say I enjoyed it. I give it a thumbs up. Um, uh, but they talk about some of the issues with it. But, I mean, the look, feel, acting, I thought the acting was amazing. I thought the plot was a little busy. And I think my biggest, like, sort of thumbs middle takeaway would be that um, it's just so clearly still, this is like some, if I wanted to talk about like the movie industry, I might go on and on about this, but it's so clearly servicing a very longer other additional, let's right. come back and see several, several uh, yeah. like members, uh, parts of the series and spinoffs that, yeah. that, I c- that felt really evident to me. Right, right, right. And I yeah. don't remember when I was... I, I went back and watched the first one over the holidays before we went. Yeah. First one meaning part four. Did it yeah. feel that way? That's it's curious so about. campy. I mean, I actually... Campy. It is. I mean, if going back and watching it yeah. now, Luke Skywalker is like nails on a chalkboard yeah. back then. Um, <coughs> yeah, it's yeah. really annoying. Um, but, but, so, so I, you know, I felt like it... 
I, f- I was willing to forgive. Better than there that. is campiness to the whole thing. There you go. In Star Wars. I just well, that's good. I you you, you said something. Life. I'll re- reference a conversation we had offline, which was J.J. Um, Abrams, who's the director of the movie, did such a great job with the trailers yes. and yeah. getting people excited. Yes. And um, you you pointed out something about the trailers that I completely concur with, which was that um, you, meaning Gab- Gabby, pointed out that the trailers. Um, were definitely a nod to the original three series in that they showed it was dirty and dusty Mm -hmm. and uh, I thought that that was such a great point because Mm -hmm. that's what the first um, the prequels that came out Mm -hmm. lost they they, um, over kind of CG what do they call it CGI stuff Um, they overdid it Yeah. yeah yeah I was I when I first saw the trailers, one thing I noticed was the stormtroopers in the one of the trailers, and in the movie too, they actually seem like a military force, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Which in the if you watch the first three movies, they're just like they just run up. Yeah, and get you're right. You know? I like that. But a they good actually point. they're like something they're in this transport, and they're kind of nervous and jumpy, yeah. and then they run out, and you know, it just made it seem. Stormtroopers are people too. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they just right. have white plastic, right. totally right. non-tactical outfits on. Right, right. My right, cousin right. dresses up as one and marches in parades and goes to <laughs> children's hospitals and things like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be terrifying? Stormtrooper <laughs> Seriously. coming in. She's you're in your hospital. I mean, you're in the yeah. hospital already. For God's Get sake. You know, I, I haven't asked <laughs> her about it, but she, she is studying industrial psychology, and mm. I don't know what that is. She's but that along. seems yeah. like a good pairing. Just, this is going to get published. Um. They still spoiler alert. One spoiler alert. They still can't shoot. Yeah, stormtroopers. Broadside. <laughs> you got really bad aim. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me laugh. I I was so. There was so much opportunity for disappointment when I saw that. Yes. I was just thinking, well, hopefully I'll have a pretty True. good time. My kid will love it, but eh. but I was not the least bit disappointed. Yeah, that's a good good uh, review. Yeah. I, I will say. I'm going to steal a line from another podcast I listened to, The Best Show with Tom Sharpling. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, he said... Um, should we write that? Should we underscore that? I, that's the best show? It's with called The Best Show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he says Harrison Ford could not have seemed less interested in being there unless he was actually carrying a magazine around with him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's true. Mm. Um, didn't really seem to. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liked him. I'm, I, but I don't. I didn't. I didn't he, have a. I mean, the guy's old. Yeah, he's, it, he's and that's pretty yeah, old. And, people, that's and then people were really hard on Leia right. too. And I, th- they were like, she was terrible. I thought, oh, I yeah, thought she was good. She, she's and fine. she, like, she that lady she's doesn't. Kind of she does. She's not an actor at all anymore. Mm-hmm. She's a successful and good novelist. Yeah. Right, and, like, right, right, right. Doesn't she direct it? If you like, she's yeah. like, I'm out of the acting game. Yeah. yeah. She got drawn kinda back. Gave her credit for being there. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't need. Does not need to be doing that. Right, right, right. Yeah, she's been killing it. By the way, in the, po- I hope everyone is aware of uh, Gary Fisher, her bulldog that she brings to every single press junket and every like talk show that she. It's <laughs> Google it. It's awesome. I think she is kind of a diva. I like watching. Yeah, her. she's, kind of fun about she's that. really really smart. She's like smarter than the average Hollywood. She person. lit Twitter up when some tweet about how they were talking about how she hasn't aged well, and yeah. she basically told everyone to go get bent. Yeah, which is really great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's yeah she's she the whole she t- yeah she talks a lot about um, like being a woman in Hollywood and all the bullshit. And I, I I'm a fan of Carrie Fisher, so I don't care what a good actor she is because again I don't think she d- you know deigns yeah. to be an actor. And it's like Brendan said, if you watch the first ones, it's not like 
a master class in <laughs> method. Yeah. Like that. I mean, it's, it's like that's a right. fun space opera that's, yeah. right. that's just exciting. That's right. Yeah. So Is that what's at the heart of the, the backlash against critics of Star Wars, that you're you're really just not supposed to criticize something that's like that? Mm, he, uh, maybe so. I, I mean, that's right. yeah. It, it, it puts people in a tricky place because everyone loves to be the one person that's like, nah, I didn't like it. You know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, not, I don't say Hot everybody. Take. but got to write a, their take. Yeah. yeah. It, that's a popular position people like to take. So I guess if, I don't know, I think a lot of the people that normally would be like, eh, mm. actually like the thing. So maybe they're feeling weird right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're talking about people lashing out at critics who didn't like the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's to me. Uh, so I'm 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 40 years old, and I, and I am I am very. Con- I don't want to be. I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm concerned about it. I vow to resist being like that per being that person as I age and go through life. Who's like I don't get what these young kids are into. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I like. I don't get what these young kids are into. <laughs> I, can't, I don't. I can't. I can't grasp. I, I, I just feel. I try. I'm trying a little bit, but I'm not really trying that hard. I've got little kids. I don't go to movies much, but yeah. so that's my excuse. But I'm. Not, I don't like when I when, in the Star Wars movie. All the previews were like all the Marvel offshoots and movies, mm. and I just oh, it yeah. doesn't tug at my heartstrings. It just yeah. doesn't. I, Superman I, versus Batman. I was like, yeah. never in a million years. Do yeah, I, yeah. I no feel way. like it's like grasping at straws or Come whatever. On. Yeah. I mean, the original Superman with Christopher Reeve was. I'm like, how do you top that? You don't. I can't tell. Like, that's the best. But you said you just said like about the cheesiness. Like that's a freaking cheesy. Movie. I know. That's yeah. what I liked about it. It was yeah. total cheese ball. I, but like these the new ones are like too serious. Is yeah. that the issue? Well, you know, I have to I say, I've seen. Uh, I've seen the Avengers, the second Avengers. I saw the first Captain America. Because, and those you, are all because you have a seven-year-old son. Is I this will why? say, or I'm going to say <laughs> that that's yeah. because <laughs> I have a seven-year-old son. No, that's why, that's why I saw the first Avengers because someone told me it was good. It was okay. a pretty good movie. Okay. Um, but I think there are two movies in that series that are truly great. Okay. Good. Guardians of the Galaxy was awesome. Okay. And I haven't seen that one yet. Have I you seen that one, Brendan? No, no. That is way up your alley. All right. Fantastic. Adding okay. it to the list. It's really good. Ant-Man was great. Really? Yes. Really? Well, a big part of that, I think, is uh, Edgar right. Wright. Mm. He didn't end up directing it, but he wrote a bunch of it, and mm. I think he directed parts of it. Edgar Wright's the guy that did uh, Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that whole series. Um, and, I mean, if you see, it's in the trailer, but you know that there's the, in the Ant-Man trailer, there's a scene where this dramatic fight, these two tiny guys are fighting, mm. and there's, like, a Thomas the Tank Engine that's come barreling down <laughs> on him. It's like... <laughs> And then, it, like at the last minute, they derail the thing. Oh. But then the, the the next shot they show is a, it's pulled back, and it's just this tiny toy train going like that. Uh, it's just hilarious. It's oh, just you I change like the scale. It, I like it. But that's a total Edgar Wright visual joke. Okay. And um, on pop culture, there's this there's a series on YouTube called Every Frame a Painting, mm-hmm. and he does an episode about his visual comedy, and okay. it's. It's a, it's brilliant. It makes it'll make every you, frame a painting. Every frame a painting, and especially that episode I think was great because they right. go through all the visual jokes in that, and then they compare it to a typical Hollywood comedy. Mm-hmm. Are both Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man original ideas? No, they're both Marvel based on comic books. Yes, mm-hmm. I think Guardians. Are of you the guys Galaxy, comic books? Guy, uh, comic I'm not. Book Chris is. You're a comic book person. I'm. A, I was 
briefly a really not a like superhero. I kind of got into graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so that's yeah. what I was going to ask. So comic book begets graphic novels, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, basically the same thing. Yeah, I guess. Well, what's the difference? If you if you just say comic book, I think you're usually talking about. Marvel, Dark Horse, or yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Like but like the idea stuff. is picture storytelling, yeah. picture right? Picture storytelling, yeah. So one's one's a little more. Um, it's like uh, movie versus film. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's right. like a similar <laughs> thing, but if you but say you film, highly you're recommend graphic something. novels, right? There are some I very highly. If you were going to recommend to me, I've never read a graphic yeah, novel. Yeah, yeah. If you were going to tell me to recommend one graphic novel, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard question. I want to say. Um, the one that's most like a novel that I can think of, and I'm like real amateur in this scene, um, one I would say that's most like a novel would be Jimmy Corrigan, The Smartest Kid in the World by Chris Ware. Mm-hmm. But it is like relentlessly depressing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like nothing, good, nothing positive <laughs> happens in this thing. And if it does, it's only to set up the most devastating thing that's going to happen next. <laughs> All right. So it's okay, just Okay, well, I look crushing. forward to that. But <laughs> what's, uh, what's, really, what's really great, though, are the Hellboy comics, if you can get the Hellboy okay. comics. Are they Mike books Magnolia. as well, or are yeah. they comics? Novels? Well, if I, I would get a collection it's of... too intimidating. I would get a big... Go to the public library and get a big collection of Hellboy. Okay. All right. They're really good. Or Tom, Tom Strong by Alan Moore is also really good. All right. Good. I'm not so mu- so into gra- graphic novels, but I have to say Chris Ware's work, he's like the Charlie Harper of the graphic novel yeah. world. It's just the visual elements themselves are so pleasing. He does a lot of New York. His New Yorker, New Yorker covers. covers. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. oh, okay. Um, and if you want to, before you kind of dip into those, a great book to look at is uh, Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. It gives you... You've talked about this before. Yes, I have. This it's, I've heard of, it's, yes. It's one of those things where... Not, on in one way it helps you. It really kind of grounds you before you get into this thing, so mm-hmm. you can, you know, see what everyone see what, what it's what's going about. on. Yeah. and uh, it also kind of gives cover if someone's like, oh, reading a comic book. You know, what are you twelve? Right, right, right. You can say, well, actually, you know, it really grounds you and it gives you a good sense of why it's such an interesting narrative form. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And if that hooks you, we just got his. The Sculptor, yes. which is uh, also sort of about creativity, metaphysics. Yeah, it's a it's a Book. pretty dense graphic novel if mm-hmm. there's oh. such a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. here at the Mercantile. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're on to books, right? Yeah. Oh, I was Kinda. afraid this was ha- would mm-hmm. happen. I mean, this is where you wanted to go. <laughs> you know, I, I know that there's a new Don DeLillo book coming out this year. I think part <laughs> of what happens with that? books is you can always. L- you can always look back. You can. I'm still they're trying to catch still up. There. I don't even have children, and it's. I can't keep up. What <laughs> is the book that came out? Oh, let's see. It doesn't have to be last year. But what's the book that you have sitting around that you haven't been able to get to that you desperately want to get to? You really don't want to know this. Yes, I but do. Well, I mean, we're here. It's just the <laughs> yeah. four of us. When you say that, I really want to know it. C- Cyril Connolly's... Um, I, a friend of mine sent me this book. This is this is like old English literature. So, so. wait, we, we, before before we were on before we hit record, you were talking about uh, 
passive aggressive sending of books <laughs> to people. There is, there is that. You know, I, I mean, I think that was that with this. Passive aggressive. We we had planned to do a holiday gift giving. Did we do the holiday gift giving podcast episode? No, no my kid. We didn't. My kid. No, okay. Up a bunch it's of not times. Your so, kids fault. so it is. I believe in totally. So my kids. Your poor child so is going to be listening to this someday when it's I in the ether, and they're be like. Dad. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> He'll say it no matter what I do. So might as well give him a nice. So this isn't relevant to spending your gift card now that the holidays are passed, but there are always more holidays. But books as a gift really do present this opportunity to get inside somebody's head in good yeah. ways and bad ways, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, you can... Um, I love to give books because you're you're essentially giving somebody this tiny little world, you know, yeah. and it yeah. really opens yeah. up. It's a great way to, um, I think a lot of gifts will generate conversation and build a relationship down the road, but a book really has more potential there. This, you I yeah. agree. There's, there's, I think there's maybe that or well, music or the gifts that most say, I have, I know, this is what I think about you. This is what I know you think about me, and this is part of the conversation between <laughs> our two selves. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have mixtapes yeah. that are so like perfect representations of relationships that I've yes. had over the course of my life. Yes. That I still treasure like gold bars. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and and sa same thing goes for a gift of a book. Yes. Um, somebody gives you a book. I, I mean, you shouldn't. You try not to think too much about like what's going into the gift of the book. Um, I actually think the, the act of giving a book too comes with like for me a little anxiety too because if I give someone a book I, I don't want to expect them to read it or expect them to like it or expect them to talk to me about it but I do want to talk to them about it. Like right. if I go out and buy someone a book, I want to have a conversation about it. Oh, so yeah. Is that right? Yeah, but so then like you feel weird like, did you read the book I gave you? Mm. And you, uh, oh, you know. It's like giving somebody a hand grenade, you know, or right. worse than that, because at least when they open the hand grenade, their face will like become you know animated. They'll be like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And they open up a book and they're like, oh. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a book. Yeah. But then it's like loaded with all that. Right. So it has such potential. Yeah. Both directions. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Becky gave me a book. I got one book this year for Christmas. People know not to, generally not to buy me books because most of the time I'm just going to go get the book that I want anyway. Mm -hmm. which a is common luxury, trait among book people. A I common trait among book people. Yeah. They've got the books they want. Yeah. Um, but Becky bought me a coffee. Uh, it's like a coffee table book uh, that's full of maps. It's a, just a gorgeous book. It's an incredible. And it was really thoughtful because, A, I probably wouldn't have bought it for myself, mm -hmm. which is rare. But I am into it, and I think it's just a beautiful. It was a, it was a well executed book gift. Coffee table cool. books are uh, that's yeah. a different thing. That's like oh, that's you know, that's and right. a, but and like thumbs up. It's a good. Yeah. It's a good it well gift. Done. Yeah, but because uh, I think it's I think coffee table books still fit the description you just gave, Chris. Mm -hmm. Where it's like this is you and me, and it's right. more complex than like a trinket of other yeah. some other right. store. And uh, but it's uh, but it's not homework. It's not. It's just like because you can look at a coffee table book right. and. In ten minutes. Whenever, yeah. 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 Do you have a book you're waiting to read? Well, I just heard Station. I'm going to read Station Eleven. And, oh, yeah. And then I have, I have, but I started. So good. Yeah, I'm ex really excited. I'm like 100 percent sure I will love that book. Yeah, There's no great. question. Great, great, so, great. Because it's up my alley, and it, everybody I know loves it. So yeah. we're, we're all good. That's no, there's no question about that one. But I have. I started. Um, so I read um, to to sound really smart and awesome and like um, avant garde. Um, 
I read Murakami a few years ago. I read um, Kafka on the Shore, and it was like life-changingly cool. Have you mm-hmm. guys read that guy? I have. Not that book, though. What did you read? I read the uh, wind up short bird. story collection. Oh, short, that's awesome. Yeah. Is that the Wind Up Bird Chronicles that's or The not, Elephant Vanishes? Okay. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I've seen this book. I know that I, I, but I couldn't pronounce the guy's last name, right? Yeah, Murakami. Yeah. I think it's Hirakama. It's Hir- I shouldn't even. Have. Hiroki Murakami. I'm going to edit. I think it's me, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah make it, make yourself. Clap. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I started. He's great. Yeah. Um, and I started Wind Up Bird Chronicle, which is one of his, no- it's a novel. But it's like huge and thick, and yeah. I don't know how much, I don't know how, when I'm gonna like really dig into it. I've, so. I've never read any Murakami. It's constantly recommended to me. I tend to, a lot of times I come to a writer because I become fixated on them as a personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a long distance runner, yeah. started a jazz club. Yeah. His novels are <laughs> surreal and strange. People. Yeah. Love IQ one Q eighty four. Yeah, that's most recent oh, one. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm making that's a New Year's resolution recent. right now. Even right. though I hadn't made one, I'm going to read a Har- Haruki Murakami book yeah. this right. year. You know, and this can we, get, can we get back together for a podcast? Yeah, let's it? do a podcast. It's not. Um, his books are like big, but they're not hard. Yeah, they're, they're good. They just, they're like gripping. Like, it's like dessert. I always get one yeah. two eighty four confused with Ben Lerner's ten oh four because mm. didn't they come? I mean, they're two completely separate novels. Not just, familiar with the Lerner. One Q eighty four just came out, yeah. and it's it like the first. It's like his first book that contain has women in it. I think mm. I, heard, I read. I like read an interview with him where interesting he's getting critiqued. Yeah, he's like the part of him is like he's like a guy who's out there and like sort of normalish and gives interviews and. Is not um, an asshole like a lot of <laughs> other good authors. <laughs> Do you have a book you're waiting to read? Uh, I want to read um, the Mary Beard's History of Rome, SPQR, and I also I, I want to read I that. I'd like to I'd like to just get that whole thing nailed down. So what? it'd be like History of Rome. Yeah, got it. <laughs> you're but not, you're not going to read Gibbon's History of the Roman Empire instead. Um, That's you know, like the really long one, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll uh, stick with the, the shorter one, I think. And I also want to read. I want to read Seven Eves that our fellow. Oh my God, Grace. Seven Eves has been mentioned on this podcast yes. now. This is the 21st episode of the podcast. What's the deal with it? Seven Eves has been mentioned at least seven times. It's a Neil. I, you can look back. Grace, it's a yeah, Grace, Grace Grace really wants it's a to read Grace it. joint. She, she wants it bad. Yeah, mm. and I want to say, Grace told me the other day she read 57 books this year. Which wow. Just she she keeps mind. a list on her blog, yeah. which is highly recommended. That's yeah. good. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can put it in the show notes for this. Yeah. Because everything's but a competition. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. I learned she, by playing rugby. She loves Seven Eves. Right. And I think there will be... I think we can say with some level of confidence that there will be a 70s podcast. Even yeah. if it's just a monologue by Grace. <laughs> it's just Wait, but what's the deal? What is it? Okay, it's I don't know. I listen to podcasts 2, <laughs> 7, 12, and 14. Yeah. And I think Neil Stevenson like, writes these epic science fiction novels. Sort of oh. science fiction. Yeah. Sort Not of science fiction. fiction. Yeah. I, mean, it's a, I mean, he was known for well, Snow Crash early on. If you literally on. take uh, science, it's fiction. Always there's a scientific element. It doesn't yeah. necessarily take place in the future. But there's always science and it's always fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm obsessed with authors and writing, he handwrites these novels that then the manuscripts stand off the floor. Yes. You can't see my hand right now, but I think everybody in the room knows I'm holding it above my head. With a fountain pen. With a fountain yeah. pen. Yeah. They're very clever. They're he just 
he renders complete worlds. He's he one does. of those, you know. It's like, is that like Game? I would never read the, this either. But Game is it like in that world? But that's like fantasy. That's not yeah. fantasy. Yeah, this is Seven Eves is the future is uh, science. Set, science set in, in the orbit. future. Orbit. Yeah, the, yeah, the moon explodes, and then all, every all kinds of. Nasty what, did that, what did that sound mean, Brendan? <laughs> so, makes that sound when he can't wait to read a book. I can't do it. There's a <laughs> Although, like we talked in sta- when we but did the Station Eleven podcast, we talked, we like did two in a row that were yeah. kind of science fictiony. Yeah. Wait, are and, you? Are you? And Michael Link kept saying, These, "This is the science fiction that I like." And yeah. Uh, I don't usually like science fiction, but I like this science. Well, fiction. That's a, that's a Neil I Stevenson thing. I probably would like this. Yes, it's not like. Some like grizzled space know. flyer and it's just a, hard. It's like hard a, to pick you it up. You're a blaster. Wait, here, here, wait. Let, pause. You are you you guys, Sad and Chris. Do you both like science fiction? No, not. You n- say I don't like. I would say in general, no. I mean, as a genre. I, yeah. I, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I lived in the school library and just voraciously consumed science fiction. I read Robert A. Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, all the. But do you say Arthur so do, C. Clarke? So do you say like if someone's like, do you like science fiction? What do you say? I say I yes, I do like science fiction. Yeah, and so you say no, I no, and then fiction. I read it and I'm like, it's yeah. Brendan, yeah. So totally. I'm asking Brendan by the way. I'm clarifying myself because I was just pointing at you. Um, so you say you say no, so. Right. Right. I say no. But every but science fiction it. like thing that you've consumed, movies slash books, you like. I'm a conundrum. Yeah. So Star Wars. I, I, I know. I'm wearing a Star Wars you T-shirt. Like, so I'm going to correct you and say. But I would not star. You like science fiction. No, no, I don't. Well, why not? What the heck? <laughs> so I, I love science fiction. I'm not a. I didn't do that. I don't want to. I, I, maybe it's because I don't want to be. I've you don't want to be like that. That's what it is. <laughs> you don't want to be a nerd? Is. No. is that what you're I saying? Wanna, no. What, what it is, what it's like say. if you yeah. decide to be a science fiction person, that's a there's a lot. It's a lifestyle. No, there's not. a lot of baggage that it's goes not. with I it. I disagree completely. I have to be dragged into science fiction. I'll do it every once in a while, but i got to be dragged into it. I don't read I really don't read it now. I mean, I read it voraciously when I was younger. But I still think science fiction is extremely important to our culture. Because, um, first of all, because there were... I got a problem. I got a problem <laughs> with this topic. Uh, go ahead, Ted, but I'm going to give we, a little we're, monologue. Uh, what are we at? <laughs> yeah, are we I like know. I'm sure we're way over. 50 Sorry. minutes. Oh, yeah. We got to... You know, I mean, it's just a lot of the ideas that have shaped, that have come to, come to reality, you, you know, found shape in the imaginations of these speed-fueled typewriter, ex-Navy yeah. guys, right. like, who were... I mean, I'm not saying that these guys originated it. It's just that for you like complex humans, <laughs> human yeah. endeavors All right. my to g- come my to ne- fruition. Yeah, you're right. You need so, okay. right. My gift from Gabby for my birthday, which is coming up, is going to be like an Isaac Asimov <laughs> collection. <laughs> and you will, you will love it. No, I'll, <laughs> I'll, you I'll deny it. No, you will. <laughs> I'll deny it. You'll be like, this is awesome. I'm going to get you but some big, thick glasses no. and some tape on them. Oh, no, I right. can't do you're it. Right. So I am... Um, I, maybe and you. I think this conversation is. For, first of all, I like science fiction. Uh-huh. I did not go through us um, holding my. I, I, I'm super cool. I've always been super cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm popular. For that. And this podcast. All yeah. this played stuff. rugby. I played rugby. Like I'm super cool. I love science fiction. I've. Ne- I didn't go in through one of those phases where I was holed up in the library. So I can't say that I've read the canon. Like I'm not. I haven't read it all. Mm. But every Impossible science fiction book that I've read. I've loved, and I'm like, I my favorite 
I said earlier, Die Hard is top five for me. But Absolutely. But like Alien and Aliens. Uh, great movies. Top, like when it comes to movies. Damn it. You're no, right. I do me. like science fiction. You like science fiction too. Terminator. Like top. top but like, I always feel like if like you like science fiction and then, then like Wars. suddenly it's like, no, I feel like there's a difference between Star Wars and Dungeons and Dragons. That's yeah. not what we're talking about. That's, that's actually I, that's fantasy. That's, that's, fantasy. that's fantasy. Yeah. It's a different thing. Oh, fantasy. I put it all I don't like <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love no. Game of Thrones. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm remembering uh, through this conversation where I really want to make this point that um, I think you all love science fiction and I do too, which is when I was a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps, I got an assigned piece of, I got an assigned book and um, I was, I was. This is not in college. I was a, an officer in the military, and I and our like commander was like everyone. Has Orson to read Scott this book. Card, Ender's Game. Yes, and I said oh that. I was like, <laughs> I, I, go, I don't like science fiction. I, I said that. I was one of those people melt, who Brandy. used to say. What happened there? Have you read it? No, but I just like you it's, guys had like a like. Did you enter he, her brain? He lectured at the yeah. Mercantile Library. It's a renowned work Solid. for strategy. Yeah. Wait, what Strategist. did you just say? You, it's a. Oh, what about the Mercantile? He he, he lectured Scott here. Scott Card was here. Two thousand five. Oh my god! Yeah, oh. I don't want to. He, he Ender's Game. About him that his well, yes. is this a book? Oh, so honestly, yeah. right. if yeah. I read Ender's Game, am I gonna like it? You'll like it. You'll like it, <laughs> and you'll you'll. It's a really really good book, and I I was I was one of those people who was like, I'm not a nerd. You <laughs> said that like, cool. a, like I, eat that spinach, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> you, you will. I'm telling you, you like it, and I. I said I don't Ender's like it. Game. I won't All like right. it. And uh, we used to have to. We we got assigned like sort of these like war books that I, a lot of them were not good. And it was like, I was, I was around people who didn't appreciate good literature. Oh so God. the things people were reading weren't that great. And I had to read Ender's Game and I was like, I was like, it was a, um, it was an epiphany because I was like, all these movies I love, probably if I read the books, I would love them too. I've read a couple of the books. I love the books that I've read. Asimov's amazing, now I know. Science fiction's great. I feel Gar like I've been on the couch here for a while. <laughs> yeah. Gabrielle. But you made a breakthrough. Could, will, will you do a podcast with me on another John Rotson book, The Men Who Stare at Goats? Yeah. This year? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Sure. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. That's excellent. Oh, speaking of podcasts that we're going to do soon, Brendan, I think we have a book, shared book we can recommend to people. The, uh, I'm staring at you blankly. The one that we He's read. Not the thing with that we're going to do a podcast. Oh, oh my God. I'm so <laughs> yeah. excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> we are going, <laughs> we're going to record a podcast of City on Fire yes. by Garth Risk Hallberg, yes. which was the It novel of late last year, but actually didn't turn into... It, did, it didn't catch fire the way I think they wanted it to. No. He got like a $2 million advance, and I don't think they've sold $2 million worth of books yet. No. But it's a good novel. It is a good novel. And if you're willing to spend some time plowing through it, yeah. 900 and some pages, yeah. we're waiting on our third to finish it, and I think that's coming up shortly. Yes. New and York I, in the 70s. Yes. Phenomenal. Just, yeah, really interesting time, interesting take on the time. Excited about that. Or you could watch Taxi Driver. Taxi driver Taxi comes driver. up in the book. Does it? it does. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one book I'm looking forward to this year. Uh, 67 Shots, which is about Kent State. Mm. Uh, there haven't been many um, current mm. nonfiction books coming out. Yeah. Not to end on a down note, but I'm, I like Ohio history and Ohio mm. stuff. I think it looks like it, uh, it was in a preview that I read of 16 books, and it looks like it's going to be really excellent. Mm. So... Cue that up for 2016 podcasts, mm. too. Okay. Others, are you looking forward to anything this year? Do you have any? You had a list? 
Cedric? I, you know, I am, um, I just read Adam Johnson's, see, again, I'm in the past here. I, I read Adam Johnson's Fortune Smiles, which won the National Book Award last year. Oh, yeah. Um, I could, we could have a whole other podcast short on stories? why yeah. short stories, last year was a banner year for short stories. I have mm. some theories. I think all those, all those people who took, were in creative writing seminars that focus on short stories have gotten out there. But now I'm reading The Orphan Master's Son, which is amazing. It's supposed to be awesome. Yeah, I love it. And um, so I'm not even thinking beyond the end of that book. It's consuming my entire attention. Short stories, too? Nope, it's a novel uh, set about um, North Korea. Um, it's fairly surreal, but then, as well as he can, I think, founded in facts. Uh, it's about propaganda, identity, freedom, a lot of sort of the bigger topics, but it's a very human book at, at a page-to-page -page level. Awesome. You just reminded me of a short story that I've never mentioned on any podcast, and it's not from, it's, it's from 2009. And I, I need to like be wearing a t-shirt to recommend this short story to people, <laughs> because it's like the best short story I've ever read in my life, but you will like sob your eyes out when you read it, especially if you have children. People like that are the only people it's no. Okay. No. I thought I'd try again. Only once. Can you mind off my mic? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this this guy named Chris Adrian. Have you guys heard of this author? Mm -hmm. So I read one of his novels and I actually really liked it. And it's called. Um, I'm gonna be confused about the pronunciation of this word because I am a huge Arrested Development fan, but it's called Gobs Grief or Jobs Grief. <laughs> Job. <laughs> Is it Joe? Job? Oh, yeah. oh, okay, okay, okay. It's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I don't I have no idea what's happening right now. Joke? Yeah, yeah. It's an ah, right. damn it. But it's spelled G O B. It might oh, be Gobs. It might be Gobs. I think it yeah. might be. Anyway, but yeah. Gobs Grief. Um, I like this novel, but it, and it's Ohio. So I need, like, but it didn't get good reviews. And the only reason I read it is because I love the short story so much. The short story is called um, A Tiny Feast. Just look that story up. It was published in The New Yorker in 2009. It is. Brilliant. I'm writing it down right now. Okay. He is. Uh, we'll I'll put this in the show notes. A right? tiny huh? feast. A Should tiny we put this feast. all in the show notes? Oh, I'll find the, yeah, I'll put okay. it someplace. Um, I think, are we, are we at like 78 minutes? I'm sure yeah. we're so we're, we're going to head it. It'll be a little less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. we should, I think. Good. Okay. Uh, we should just keep doing these. These are fun. These mm. are a lot of fun and easy to do, low pro. Yeah, but, uh, mm. but I, I will say before you close, I'm, I think this is going to be a great year for the 12th Story podcast. Yeah. Yeah, uh, people have, are clamoring. I know, we, I know there's been like a email string with with the the regulars who mm -hmm. are part of this, and and there are books scheduled out for several months now, yeah. and it looks like it's going to be a really fun year. So, hit subscribe and uh, review us on iTunes because that helps us get more listeners. Yes. Um, tell yeah. your friends we're growing rapidly. Um, if you if you have a like um, hunger to be famous and have your voice be heard by all sorts of people, yeah, right? let us know, and yeah. we might we might consider we as <laughs> long as you, as long as you like science fiction. It's not consider. a high bar. To Provided get in you're brilliant <laughs> and hilarious <laughs> and, <laughs> and beautiful, too. That's even though no one will see you, awesome. yeah. all right, um, bring us home. Okay, yeah, and uh, I want to say you can find us on SoundCloud too. Uh, yeah. We're on Twitter at Mercantile Lib L I B. Um, I, I don't want to take credit here, but I did engineer today's podcast yes. <laughs> while leading it. So, uh, so thanks to Brendan, Gabrielle, Cedric. 
and Andrew. myself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck engineering this. Thanks. <laughs> this is going to be a the bear. The 12th Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati, and our theme music was created by Doug McDermott. And we'll see you next time. Have a great week.